you're listening to Relocation, a podcast about people, places and ideas and how location connects the three. I'm Evan Wallace. Thanks for listening. This is part two of a three-part series on Walgett. On part two of this edition of Relocation, I'm chatting with Charlie Chen, a local businessman and entrepreneur who's originally from China. Charlie has an incredible story. It's a story of a desire to push what migrating to Australia could offer, incredible ingenuity, and how he fell in love with town. I have two daughters, okay, they were all born in Australia, and they, they constantly to tell me they said, uh, uh, mining industry is one way for business, renewable uh, technology is another way. That's Charlie, the director of Rubuck Enterprises, and I'm looking forward to introducing you to him on this edition of Relocation. Before interviewing Charlie on a sunny Friday morning, we had lunch the day before in the excellent Stone's Throw Cafe. I was struck by how someone who had been in town for less than a year had become such a popular and loved local identity. As people came in and out of the cafe, they offered a very open, G'day Charlie, while we were in mid-conversation. It was fantastic to see. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Charlie and the story behind developing the cordless headlamp with his company, Rubuck Enterprises, and how it's taken him all around the world and now landed him in Walgett. This is Relocation, and I'm chatting with Charlie Chen. He's been in Walgett getting close to a year now, and it's a really, really interesting story and journey that you've had to, to come to this part of the world. And so, yeah, before we get to your experiences here in Walgett and some of the really interesting um, business projects that, that you have here, I'm curious to get a little bit more background to start off. Uh, and um, yesterday when we were having lunch, you were telling me a little bit about some uh, a really, really exciting um, business venture that, that you had stemming from Sydney uh, to set up the uh, cordless headlamps. It sounds pretty incredible. Could you tell me a bit more about that? Yes. Uh, okay, because of the company uh, in Sydney, we supply the cordless cap lamp for mining industries. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why when I started to think where I can start to uh, have a new business venture apart from the uh, mining industries, and uh, obviously I started from uh, Latin Ridge is because it's mining town. Mm-hmm. And also it's the Latin Ridge is very close to the mm-hmm. and I do have a reality they do have the restaurants in Wagad, so I can stay in Wagad and promote the business started from Latin Ridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, because and, uh, I started promoting the business from last year, but afterwards, because of the pandemic mm-hmm. period, uh, everything's locked down, so I just stay in Wagad. Mm-hmm. And also, in this period of time, I just integrated with the local communities and the Aboriginal people, and also I attended the TAFE to start Aboriginal language in Wagat, mm-hmm. and also talk to the elders uh, in Wagat, and also uh, do a lot, a lot of the activities with the local Aboriginal, particularly young people, mm-hmm. 
uh, to you know such as uh, pig hunting, uh, fishing, and uh, so I really feel I'm part of the uh, uh, member of the community now. It's wonderful, and in less than a year as well. Before we really sort of get too focused on, on Walgett, the contrast between being in Sydney and then being out here in western New South Wales is huge. That's, they're such different places, um, being in, in Sydney and, and then also being, being in Walgett. I'm just curious to hear a little bit about, yeah, what was keeping you busy and, 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 and sort of setting up uh, Rubuck as a company while you're in Sydney with the... Um, uh, the, the cordless uh, head torch. Um, how did that go? I mean, tell, tell me about some of the inspiration and the background behind, behind setting up Rubuck and then how it became such a successful international company as well too. Okay, and uh, uh, okay, I, I had a grocery shop in Nawina, which is a next suburb uh, near Diwai. Mm-hmm. And the way uh, had a shop for 13 years, mm-hmm. and during that period of time, I always think of what else I can do when I, you know, to migrate from China to Australia, mm-hmm. and to do uh, much better than just a grocery shop. Mm-hmm. Okay, we uh, worked with uh, my partner. We thought uh, all different uh, projects. And later on, we pick up one of the project uh, is a mining cap lamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the cap lamp normally uh, in the olden days, uh, you know, the, every, everyone works in the underground mine. They have the headlight on their uh, hard hat, mm-hmm. and also uh, they had a very big battery pack on the uh, uh, back. Mm-hmm. And then we, because of the new technology uh, is available to uh, have a new the, um, uh, 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 the cap lamp or device for the industries. So we u- use the lithium battery technology and also the LED lighting technology to make one of the very compact and the lightweight cap lamp uh, for the mining industries. And from that point, we uh, redesigned a, a similar product from China and uh, for Australia mining industries. And we certified the product by the Australia government, and so we become the the first uh, certified intrinsically safe coolers cap lamp under the IEC EX uh, uh, region um, standards. Uh, we become the the world the first uh, coolers cap lamp in the whole world. Really incredible, and from what you were telling me the other day, that it's really transformed uh, lighting in mining. So, as you were saying, that uh, the old system it would weigh about five kilograms, and now that uh, um, with um, yeah, with your device, it's about a hundred, just over a hundred grams. Sixty grams, hundred sixty grams. Yeah, wow. yeah. That's what's uh, yeah. That's a uh, big. We think it's a big benefit for the 
to take the burden from the uh, every mine um, miners. Uh, so we, we after we designed the product, mm -hmm. we try to promote it in the commercial market. Mm -hmm. uh, as you also you know, it's not easy to promote a new product in the commercial industries. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember one of my friends wrote an article, uh, one sentence I still remember, he said, to launch a new product is hard, mm -hmm. but to launch a product underground mm -hmm. is even harder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, <laughs> we, okay, we finally, so we work out the way we put a uh, article in the morning magazine, yeah. and the first customers we had uh, was from the IP mine uh, from PHP. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then it just really grew and expanded from there. So from having that um, that first interest from BHP, then you're working all over the world now. Uh, yes, from PHP. Then okay, we start to promote the product mm -hmm. right now okay we, i think we we are still the largest cordless cap lamp certified cap lamp uh, supplier in australia mm -hmm. and uh, i believe we probably hold about 70 percent of the underground mine and um, customers in in our book mm -hmm. and also we went to um USA, uh, East Asia, uh, African, and South African, and uh, Europe too, mm -hmm. uh, by support by Austrade. Mm -hmm. So we really promote our product around the world. And uh, we supply to Ghana uh, uh, for more than, I think, uh, 7,000 cap labs. Mm -hmm. And also we supply to Mongolia, uh, BHP, a real Tinto, sorry, mm -hmm. for more than 10,000 cap lamps now. Wow. And uh, last year, and we even get uh, the government grant, mm -hmm. uh, $5.3 million to promote the tracking and the communication system for integrating the cap lamp mm -hmm. and the other devices mm -hmm. yeah fantastic yeah. and so that's in the space of what 10 15 years since it since it launched uh i think it's uh uh 2006 mm -hmm. or 2007 yeah yeah about yeah getting close to 15 yeah years. 15 years now yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh i think right now we uh not only for mining industry anymore and uh, because the uh, tracking system and the communication system, we use the cordless um, technology mm -hmm. or wireless technology, and the, the tracking system now is going to all your rig mm -hmm. and uh, hospitals and for all the safety uh, um, per perspectives. So tell me about your role specifically within Rubux. So obviously, there you know there must be a team that's working in research and development. There's a team in sales. Tell me a bit about where where you fit into it. Okay, so uh, in China, I was a civil engineer. Mm -hmm. 
then okay, I migrated to Australia. Uh, I also did my uh, diploma uh, degree, advanced diploma degree for a compute uh, network system. And also I did my TAFE course for accounting. Uh, accounting. Fantastic. I wanted to do some business, so that's why I learned all the, you know, the accounting systems, mm -hmm. you know, the commercial laws, company laws, and also I have a partner, mm -hmm. and uh, he uh, is a Chinese guy, but he uh, graduated from uh, Sydney University, mm -hmm. hold a PhD degree mm -hmm. in the electronic engineers. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we started from that point. Mm -hmm. And so two of us, one is concentrated for the uh, technology and design product. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I just, uh, run the, the, the business to promote the company, run the market. This is Relocation, and you're listening to my interview with Charlie Chen, the director of Rubuck Enterprises. On this three-part series of Relocation, we're featuring three fantastic people who call Wog at home. After chatting with Charlie about the background to Rubuck Enterprises, the conversation turned to his love of Walgett and his plan to use Walgett as a base to enter the solar industry in Western New South Wales. And now here we are in Walgett, a long way from uh, from from Sydney and and um, and uh, a long way from big business centres. And um, you came out here, as so you were telling me, uh, under a year ago, um, and with that uh, interest and connection with Lightning Ridge. But over that time, there's been a real sort of thinking and push to enter um, into solar industry. And so, um, wondering if you can tell me a little bit more about, um, yeah, that pivot towards being involved in the solar industry. Uh, yes, uh, I have two daughters. Okay, they were all born in Australia, and the they constantly to tell me this, that the uh, mining industry is one way for business, renewable uh, technology is another way. Mm -hmm. And uh, because the product or company we are dealing with, quite a lot of companies are coal uh, mining industry uh, companies. Yeah. My daughter, uh, two daughters always said the coal uh, uh, is going to end uh, in the industry, or or less and less, mm -hmm. and the renewable energy is the future. Mm -hmm. That's really gave me, uh, you know, the um, encourage to to diversify the business from the um, just dig the hole, hole from the ground mm -hmm. to you know to to keep mining, mining. We I said uh, we probably uh, change the. Uh, expand our business directions and we're going to also try to promote the you know, renewable energy. That's why I started to think about to get the business into the solar industries. Mm -hmm. So what are the plans? What are you thinking? What would you, what would you like to be doing? I can see behind you here we are in, in the office and there's some solar panels that, that I'm looking at right now. What is it that you see Rubuck doing within um, the solar industry? Okay, wait. Uh, solar industries. Uh, when I start to promote the solar industry technology in the remote area, mm -hmm. I do find uh, in Australia now the solar industry is a booming industry, but we still have a lot of areas we need to, you know, overcome of the the problems. 
for instance, uh, the long distance of the transportation to reduce the cost, and the long distance to connect the remote area, uh, the outback people back to the company who uh, is based on the big cities. Mm -hmm. uh, I do have a, a lot of people uh, to talk to me, says, hey, Charlie, okay. Uh, even I wanted to put the solar panels on my roof, but now I really need to think and uh, when I supposed to, uh, going to do it and uh, how the company will be able to back up the, you know, the product and also the service if they can offer. Uh, so many of the people in the outback area, uh, when they do need the service from the company, they call back to Sydney or you know, the Melbourne. Uh, just for uh, the simple job, the company cannot afford to, you know, to travel the long distance to offer the customers satisfied the service. So what I'm thinking now uh, is going to, to try to establish a lot of the local um, business representatives to connect the local customers, uh, build up the trust for the, the company uh, the, they based in the big cities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really, really excellent idea. So that sense of, yeah, if you think about where a lot of companies are based, distance plays a, a huge yeah. role and it's a real barrier in terms of um, um, people being able to, to come and service solar panels when they're set up so far away uh, from um, wherever that company is. And so, um, you know, we think about here we are in Walgett right now, it's 650 kilometres from the coast. It's uh, still, you know, many kilometres from Dubbo, the next major, yes. you know, um, a regional city. And so that sense of being able to support businesses and industries from a much closer um, uh distance, that's a great idea. Yes, and also I realized in the EPA New South Wales mm -hmm. are running a, a recycling solar panel program mm -hmm. and they also have the same problem is to co collect all the, the panels for recycling purpose, the, dis the distance is a killer. Mm -hmm. And so we think the, the industry or the government needed to work together mm -hmm. to really to have a better program to really to reduce the cost and to get the most of benefit from the solar technology. Incredible. So here we are. Um, we're talking about the outback and we're talking about these these big spaces and I really really love that sense of how we can you know uh, apply some of the great approaches that are attached to renewable energies in a more remote context in Australia and I think there's huge huge potential for that I think that's that's really wonderful I'm curious to sort of hear a little bit more about what it's like for you being based in in Walgett and, and just a question sort of thinking back did you ever imagine when you were growing up in, in China that you would ever end up somewhere like Walgett? Oh, no, never. <laughs> Even when I was in Sydney, and yeah. uh, uh, 
the, the okay the life okay the experience is just totally different yeah uh, uh, the work is a wonderful place and also I do have a cousin they they have uh, fish and chips in the town for uh, more than 15 years now mm -hmm. and uh, I think they really they have been accepted by the local communities mm -hmm. and work with the, you know, the Aboriginal people together. Mm -hmm. And also when I arrived in Wagat, mm -hmm. and the very soon I realized I become one of the, uh, the, the member for the local uh, family. Yeah. yeah, I do, you know, to uh, play with I think I probably know more than uh, more than half of the town's uh, Aboriginal people already. Everyone come to say hello, Charlie. Hello, Charlie. That's it's a very very friendly town in this area. Yeah. And I do also talk to a lot of young people. Uh, they the the Aboriginal young people. They they really now they really wanted to work mm -hmm. in the big city now. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, I also really like the 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 policy in work that has been set up. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the shop, we do have no school, no service, mm -hmm. which means we're going to you know really help the young people stay in the school yeah. for education purpose mm -hmm. and build their future. I've seen that. I've seen those uh, stickers throughout the town um, where it's no school, no service. That's a great initiative. Tell me, tell me a bit more about Walgett itself, because that's something that friendliness is something that has really stood out. Just yesterday, when we were having lunch, there were quite a few people who had, you know, just came up and said, "Hey, Charlie," and there's something really, really lovely about that. So, um, um, tell, tell me more about what day-to-day -day life is like for you in Walgett. Yeah, in Walgett, okay, I, I found that in these very active towns, okay. Uh, most of the people I see uh, when I talk to the you know the Aboriginal people, uh, they are they work, mm -hmm. okay. They and I even talk to some of the guys, they they have been working for 40 years, whole life, mm -hmm. uh, from the government department and also from the big companies. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's really gave me the different uh, uh, perspective of the you know the. The thinking of the um, the Aboriginal people in Wagat, mm -hmm. and also I, you know, in the class we uh, and language Aboriginal language class, I'm attending now with uh, people they uh, from the all the I think uh, different uh, areas. Uh, they are keen to really learn the. Aboriginal culture, mm -hmm. and also uh, I think the and by the, another way, the Aboriginal teachers they really give us uh, such re, um, rich history and also the knowledge mm -hmm. of the Aboriginal uh, culture. It's so wonderful that you're learning Kamilaroi, the um, the local language for the area. And just what was what was the inspiration for you deciding to learn that? There's you know often often it's it's um, you don't often meet people who have decided to study an Aboriginal language who you know are outside of the outside of that community. So I'm just curious um, what the inspiration was. 
Okay, yeah, because I'm, okay, uh, I'm thinking I'm, I'm here now if I want to be a, a part of the family, mm -hmm. I must learn the language and also the culture. Mm -hmm. So in that way, so I don't, uh, I really can feel okay, we're the same. Mm -hmm. But also in my class, we do have the people from all the different races mm -hmm. are learning, learning the Aboriginal culture and the language too. Mm. Yeah, so it's not, uh, not only me. That's, yeah. that's awesome, really awesome. Um, is there anything about Sydney that you're missing um, since moving to Walgett? Uh, no, because the new technology, I can, you know, the, use the internet to talk to my wife and also my two daughters. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, I, you know, I, I drive back to see them quite uh, oftenly. Yeah. yeah, that's really, yeah. really special that you're still able to, to maintain, maintain that connection and really important too. Um, how long do you think you'll stay in Walgett? What's your, what's your timeline? What's your sort of thinking or plan? Okay, and at this stage, I'm just to try to open a new shop yeah. in Walgett. I think this will be a base mm -hmm. for me to operate my business. Mm -hmm. and, I, and also, I do have the Aboriginal people in Walgett mm -hmm. offer me their relatives in uh, Orange, Double, and they are going to introduce me to, to see their relatives. So I will, I think I will start from Walgett and go back to Double Orange and uh, build up the business. Oh, wonderful. Charlie, it's been so great talking with you on relocation, hearing about, um, yeah, the story behind Rubuck and, and your perspective on, on life in Walgett. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. That was Charlie Chen, and you've been listening to Relocation, a podcast about people, places, and ideas. This was part two of our series on Walgett. On the third and final part of this edition of Relocation, we're chatting with Timmy D. Timmy's love of Walgett is infectious, and you'll meet him on the last part of this series of Relocation. I'm Evan Wallace, and I'll see you in Walgett next time.